This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, episode 066. Welcome to the show created by vets featuring absolutely no pets. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, hosted by Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Our resident veterinarians have swapped out their stethoscopes in favor of microphones to bring you the Veterinary Project Podcast, a show focused on real conversations aimed to connect this amazing profession full of remarkable people. Through the sharing of collective stories and wisdom and connecting over the many unique challenges we face, we invite you to join our community of veterinary professionals leading intentional lives. And now, here are the hosts of the Veterinary Project Podcast, Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Dr. Michael Bug, Dr. Jonathan Light. How are you doing today, Jonathan? You're not messing around. You're just getting right into it. Boom, boom. Thank you, ma'am. Boom. Straight to business. All business like here on, it. on the podcast. Well, that's basically uh, a little bit of the theme of the day. Is it not? Well, we do dive into a lot about the entrepreneurial journey and business and lessons along the way. It was a good one. And I mean, Christine, um, I've always looked up to her. We've crossed paths uh, in clinics and then also at Saskatoon business events, you know, we'll run into each other and be like, what are you working on these days? And it's always a good conversation. So all of you listeners are in for a treat. Before we dive into that, what is happening your way, Jonathan? Yeah, we were talking about that in the pre-recording business-wise. We're in the final setup for our renovations in the basement for Bridgeland Vet Clinic, uh, doing some painting this week. And I think something that we're discussing, which, you know, seeing in a number of different clinics uh, as people are putting out their either their architectural drawings is taking the time to ensuring you've got the space for your employees as much as for the day-to-day working. the clinics of the 1990s and the early 2000s usually had that one uh, little, little room, if lucky, or even just the one table or the counter space where we put all of our food on, you put the microwave on and it's all crammed together. Literally the lab could be just next door to that. And really the, the clinics of 2020 and beyond have to focus on the employees. We have an employee wellness room. We're going to be sharing some Instagram photos on. Uh, we've got a big space, including almost a full kitchen. And you have to think about that when you're setting up your clinic, I believe, to give it the best chance for employees want to come your way. It is not good enough to have a counter. So there's my quick tip in a little draw. And that's something that we're working on. And I get pretty passionate about as well, you know, uh, Candace, Tracy, or others in our clinic. Nice. Did you get that ping pong table? Is that? Oh, is it's that coming. Yeah, it's okay. so funny you mentioned that. As mutual friends of mine are, are you know, uh, texting and when we're talking, asking the exact same question. It's coming. I'm excited. That's excellent. Anyone that works at Bridgeland Vet Clinic will be the best veterinary ping pong players in the country. And we're going to need to because the food in this community is so damn good. And we're going to be, yeah, we need to burn off the calories at the ping pong table. Yeah. And you guys, that, that neighborhood is cool. You have some craft breweries nearby as well. Yeah. Craft distilleries, breweries. And every month it seems like there's a new restaurant popping up, which is not good for our bellies. No. Well, so that's what's it on, you know, on the, on the, the, the preamble talk. How about you in, in your world? 
Well, the big push, as I said, was on the book. So that's nice to get that off to, uh, what is it? Copy edit. So now kind of creative work begins like cover design and layout, but the really heavy lifting is over. Um, so that's, that's amazing. Um, I can't wait. I have this big list of stuff on my wall beside me and it's going to be very nice when that write a book one is, is crossed off and delivered. So, but it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Like, you know, you really have to do a lot of reflection when you're in a, in a writing process. And I drug it out. Very exciting. Excited for you. Yeah, it'll be good. Hopefully a few people read it. We'll see. I'll be one of them. Okay. Well, let's dive yes. into today's episode. I just have to double check. Was that your quick tip or do you have a, 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 a actual, like a different quick tip for the episode? My quick tip in those that are on the entrepreneurial journey of clinic ownership is please go check online at the architectural setups. There are some great articles, blogs on all the major uh, websites associated with veterinary medicine. This is an important topic. That's my quick tip. Nice. Okay. Another amazing guest here with us today. Dr. Christine Beck has been in the animal industry for over 20 years and is a successful business owner in multiple industries. She is a passionate visionary who just recently launched Waggle Mail, a filler-free subscription box for dogs and their humans that contain vet-curated information and products to support dogs' health and well-being no matter their stage in life. Her vision is to build a community of empowered dog owners taking the best care of their dogs. She is passionate about advocating for the health and wellness of animals and has creatively blended that with her skills and experience in finance and business. And I can definitely say, you know, we just finished up the recording with Christine. It was a good one. She's so passionate. As Jonathan points out, you know, you can see when we start getting into Waggle Mail, she just lights up. So you're going to enjoy this one. I give you Dr. Christine Beck. All right, Christine, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, you are one of the most uh, entrepreneurial vets, you know, that I got to know personally, right? And now that we've started this, we're meeting all sorts of entrepreneurs. But I do remember our time crossing paths in clinics together and you would have the most perfectly organized day planner. I think it was like color coded to the minute because you had so much on the go. So I'm happy we could find some time to uh, pick your brain and learn from you. Awesome. I'm excited. And, and that day timer is still going. Oh, it's still <laughs> excellent. I knew it. It was so impressive. I would walk by your desk and it would be sitting out and I was always like, holy man, does she got a lot on oh. the go. Yeah. And life. it's in paper. You, you haven't moved from paper to uh, this computer is, form. This is the one thing I'm all about digital. But this is the one thing I cannot live without. Like this paper day timer is my world. Oh, yeah. I love, it. Okay, I love harassing people. There's a few, my old boss, I still bug her. I'm like, you got that paper timer out? Let's pull it out. Oh, yeah. I just love her. I'm going on a tangent already, but I never, I was never brave enough, Christine, to mess with your day planner. Cause I loved playing pranks. Um, and Terry, another vet that I worked a lot with, I would always kind of mess with her stuff just subtly just to see if she noticed, but I, I never could have the courage to do it to you. Cause I was like, this is a do not touch item. I can like tell. Intense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Christine. So I know we're going to dive into a lot of what you're up to currently uh, for our listeners. Let's maybe sort of set the table here and, and go back um, to, you know, to one, when you graduated from vet school, cause I know that's when you had so many things going on, like entrepreneurial ventures, 
being a veterinarian. So maybe walk us through that time. Yeah. So I graduated in 2011 from vet school. Uh, I was in finance just before vet school. So I kind of left the business world in a way aside and being a vet was what I wanted to do since grade four. So of course I was going to go for it. Um, yeah, I practiced full time for quite some time and then somehow I fell back into the world of entrepreneurship. Um, it's become a trendy word, but it really is just life sometimes happens and opportunities come up and I found I had passions in other industries and now I'm sort of coming back full circle and blending my passion for veterinary medicine and blending my passion for business development. So it's funny. Yeah. How that just kind of happens over time. Yeah. So what did those, those, I guess we'll call them early days look like, you know, as full-time veterinarian and, and finding entrepreneurship and in, in other sort of non-veterinary industries. Yeah. Uh, it's been a lot. So I was practicing full-time as a vet, um, as an employee. So as an employed vet until 2013 And then in that year, I transitioned um, to creating my own locum company. So Dr. Seebeck Professional Services. And I did that as a way to try to find a better fit as a vet and clinic for myself. Um, During that time, I had a family member, my brother, who was starting this business in the car world. And he needed help in the back end, like finance, where my skill sets lie, and he's very strong on sales marketing. So I somehow found myself in the car world in 2013, while still managing my full time locum business. And that quarter time turned to part time turned to another full time job, I became a co founder of one of the first digital auto dealership and financing companies out there. Um, so as part of the executive team that led operations and they're still functioning to this day, uh, I'm just not actively involved with it anymore as a couple of years ago. So yeah, it was a hard balance. I was balancing locuming, building this, this model in a, an industry that I completely had no, I knew nothing about cars, but I knew what my skill sets were and just sort of built on that. Um, yeah. And started a few other companies opportunistically from that. Nice. And so, so what was that like? Because you say, you know, like it went from sort of a part-time thing and then it was a quarter-time full-time and your full-time locoming. So you've, you basically got two full-time like gigs. And if I'm remembering right, they weren't even in the same province. So you were doing commuting back and forth, lots of travel. Yeah. I mean, I, how did you balance that? Now balance isn't the right word because I don't know. I don't think you can necessarily have balance in there, but how did you handle that? I think I was just running. So you're right. The the car world was in Alberta and my vet world was in Saskatchewan. So I was in Alberta half of my, my life and in Saskatchewan half my life. And yeah, it, it, there wasn't really a good balance. There was running and it really took, I'd say until a really big event in my life, like a catalytic event in 2019, where I had an event that just kind of really made me question what's important in my life. So this event happened, kind of made everything hit the floor. And I was like, okay, what do I care about? What are my priorities? What is good for me moving forward? And that's 
when I kind of started the journey back to Wagle Mail, um, my now startup, like this was an idea I have had, gosh, eight years ago that I never acted on. And it was something that I was like, okay, this is for me. I've built these businesses for other people. I've been practicing for other individuals. Like how can I do something that I'm passionate about and build something for me and my family? So it really took an, an event, which unfortunately it took this event, but yeah, just kind of realigned. Yeah. That, and that's so, it's, yeah, go ahead, Jonathan. A, cu- a couple of questions and one in particular, uh, going back to your running days, being working the business in Alberta and the business in Saskatchewan at the same time. Did you feel like you were running and did you feel like you were proactively making the best of both situations or you were just going and couldn't fathom it because you're just going day to day? Yeah, I think I was running, but I was, I was functioning at a high level on both sides. So I don't think I realized how much I was doing. People in my life would be like, how are you doing this? Or this is crazy, but I just, I loved pieces of both of it. So I kept going, right? So I just pushed myself more and more and more and I'm very driven. So nothing seemed like it was enough. So I always wanted to build something more. So I was running, but I didn't really feel like I was running. (laughs) Do you feel that you would have been able to keep running should no. you have chosen to do balance because that's a that life work balance is is an enigma and sometimes a false sense of truth because in order to do what you did you can't have like yes balance. you i didn't have life like i had work um which was my life so i think it took yeah it took sort of 2019s where i really realized I can't do all of these things and still have these things. So it just took what is the most important in the work piece. And then what does that look like for me? Yeah. Yeah. And is there any lessons in there, like in that time when you took the space? Cause I know we talked to a lot of people that maybe find themselves in that situation where it's like, go, 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 go. And then there's a bit of a pause and now it's time where there's enough space to, to think, okay, what direction do I want to go? You know, do you have any, uh, anything you can share from that period that b- helped you get aligned and now start driving towards waggle mail, which I didn't realize you said you had that idea for eight years, you know, so to pick that off the shelf and be like, here, this is a direction I want to go. Yeah. Uh, I would say in that time, um, I didn't, get time off. It was just reprioritize time. So I just, I I would say for people that don't have a a big event per se, um, check in with yourself and it's easy to just continue doing what you're doing on a daily basis. But what is it that you're passionate about veterinary medicine or what is it that you enjoy doing of that? And write it down. Like I found it was helpful to write down the things that I wanted to do and continue doing. And then slowly, I just naturally, as I continue to write it down and continue to check in with myself, it helped me choose the right opportunities to follow um, and say no to things that didn't feel good or I didn't want to do. And once you start saying no, it gets easier. Yeah. I mean, that is, everyone should almost just go replay that section again and listen to it. Cause that is so pivotal. The giving space 
and saying no. I don't know why veterinarians, like no is like a forbidden word to us. We're just not allowed to say it for some reason. We don't like saying no. Yeah, we can do everything. <laughs> exactly. Until we can't do anything anymore. And then it all goes to. Yeah. yeah. So it's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very like profound wisdom in there. So, so we, we kind of pivot on, we start on picking up the waggle mail stuff. Maybe let's start venturing down that road and tell us what, what that process looked like, where you said, you know, you're going to start building something for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So waggle mail was an idea, like I said, that had eight or nine years ago when I was on a holiday. Um, and I just, I wasn't really happy where I was I was, I was a full-time vet at that time and I just wasn't happy in the situation I was, or wasn't, yeah, I just wasn't happy. So I was thinking of, okay, what's something cool that I could do? Um, back then there really wasn't very many <laughs> subscription boxes. It was really just kind of a, an idea. Um, since then I would say I saw it just, again, those opportunities like dog ownership, pet ownership, like that's just continuing to grow. Um, the digital landscape is changing. COVID's made that even more relevant. Um, the pet industry as a whole is going through a digital transformation and our clientele is changing and we have to figure out how to change with them. And I was so tired and frustrated to be perfectly honest at the amount of times animals would present to me for painful and expensive conditions or procedures that could have been prevented if they had the right information, accurate information and quality products. So I was like, how can I get into that digital world over and above just who I see in a clinic, which is so limited and be able to grab these people before they maybe go to Dr. Google or um, before they go to the pet stores. Like how do I get my vet brain that I worked really hard to, to develop and get that into the hands of more dog owners and pet parents. So that's where it kind of stemmed was I just saw the change in the digital landscape and how do I get in there and um, create something that's of value and purpose. Yeah, that's very interesting. So I mean, so we'll, let's dive into the, the change piece, because I know when you and I were chatting uh, previously, you talked about the, the shift in uh, from pet owners to pet parents. Yes. Right? It, it, it's a, there's much more attachment there. Like pet, pets are now members of the family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are you seeing like in your research lead, in, in launching Waggle Mail and then now, because I know you said you know, you're constantly learning and iterating here on the fly. So what are you seeing in those changes in what the, the customer is looking for? Yeah. And this is something that's important for clinics too. Like I know this is when I'm in clinic, um, I see this as well. So it's kind of interesting to see it on a, a grander scale and then see it in practice, <laughs> but definitely the transition is going, I mean, it's gone from dog owners to pet parents, right? And there's these trends of humanization and customization and personalization and premiumization. Like they expect the best for their dog because their dog is truly like a family member. And they are going to put those expectations on you as a veterinarian. But it's hard to relay, which I'm, I struggle with my business as well, our value proposition in the language that they understand because they, this is their, their family member, but they might not understand the cost of healthcare or they might not understand 
um, why you want to do this blood work, but you need to figure out a way to communicate that in their language in a way that resonates with them. And we're still working on this, but it's going away from vague, like, Hey, we need to do this blood work, um, to see if we can get Molly on some joint medications to, Hey, I want to do this blood work. Um, because I think I could really help improve, um, Molly's joints. So you can go on longer hikes on the weekend with her or like, it's like reinstilling more detailed bonds. <laughs> yeah. Like bringing it into their world. Like, so they can mm. relate to it. You know, they, yeah. they hike with their dog and that that's what you can help them with is the hiking and the comfort of their pet. Yes. It's how are you impacting their bond and their relationship? Because we, we don't have the us to the animal. We have the us to the human, to the animal. So how do we communicate our value to the human in order to get to the animal? And there has to be that visceral experience in order to get there. Right. And that's, yeah, even harder for me to do with my product because I'm not in front of people and I don't have that personal connection. So I'm trying to sell, um, this valuable information and products. Um, yeah, it's, it's a harder sell. So it's figuring out how to communicate that. And that's relevant in clinic too, as our clientele changes and ages. If I may step in for a moment here and try and discern a little more what you're feeling. And it's interesting, Mike, because this is exactly what we were discussing with Jim Clark, Dr. Jim Clark in our last episode around how we connect with a pet client on a totally different level than what we would have done previously. And in my previous role, it was perceived as all vet centric. And we are making the conversion over to client centric, meaning the veterinarian is no longer the center of attention. It is the client that's the center of attention and how do we communicate it over? Really interesting follow-up question is you said it yourself. You're the, you're in essence, the third party coming in now with Wagle Mail. How do you go about attaching emotional relevance or visceral feeling to gain that connection? How are you doing that in your market? Cause that's a, that's a hard sell. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's slow, it's slower, right? Like it's, it's, I have the additional challenge of just, I'm a brand new product that's competing in, in a industry that there's nothing like this, right? So there's no comparable. So the industry standards of dog boxes are just treats and toys and they're 40 to $70 a month and that's it. Right. And I'm trying to sell a very curated product that's based on purposely based on your age, breed and needs. Like we use over eight different attributes to, to select things. So they don't really care. Well, they care about that, but to communicate that to them, we've been using a lot of, um, as we've been building our customer base using, um, user generated content. So, um, our users speaking on behalf and showing with pictures and videos, like, yeah, this really is like what they say it is. So using kind of my happy customers to help to share that story. Um, and as well, I'm using my vet brain in a creative way. Like I've been writing blogs on topics that they care about. Um, so I do two a month. I've got a Wagle Mail newsletter that goes out. So they're getting to know me as the expert behind the brand. So they are beginning to trust me more. And then that just slowly spreads. So it's kind of providing good content, um, backing it up with good products, backing up with good customer service and personalizing it because that is 
yeah, that's, that's what they want. So it's not, there's no easy, I wish I could give you an ABC. Like we work on it weekly. <laughs> like we try something and take a disciplined approach. And in going digital, you're able to do that. You can do some mm-hmm. tests and see what the exactly. Are. So if something's working, you can yep. dial that up a bit if something isn't, but it takes data and data takes time and data takes money. So it takes a while. So it's, yeah, it, it takes a while to build that. So we're still, we're still learning, but it's just trying to be genuine with our message and our branding and make sure what we put out is top notch and everything's written and approved by me. So it is truly vet authored, anything that goes out, including our socials. So it is truly um, quality information. Who makes up the team of Wiggle Mail? I have an amazing team. I, I like, yeah, I light up when I talk about them, but um, to date, I've kind of pulled together a group of contractors and advisors. So, um, I have, I call my right-hand man tech wizard. So he's locally here in Saskatoon with me. So he's my right hand, everything digital and design. And then I have an outbound content marketer. Um, she's amazing with long form like blogs and, um, helping generate those messages. She makes me sound good. So I write the Vetti stuff and then she, <laughs> like these booklets, I write what I want to talk about and then she makes me sound good and something people want to read. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've got a social media manager. Um, she's actually in Lethbridge. And who else do I have? Oh gosh, I'm going to miss something. Oh, another fellow who's actually in Montreal who focuses on my Facebook campaign. So we've got a team of about four to six people and then a couple really amazing advisors that give me their time. Do you use virtual assistants at all? Or do you do this all through connections? This is, this is um, like in the manner of like how our meetings are held or Just how you schedule all the connections together, looking at the efficiencies of. Yeah. yeah it's all digital. Yeah. I there's cause only a couple team members are actually only one is like full-time in Saskatoon where I am. So I just like to physically head to his office every now and then just for some, <laughs> to see a human being. But it's digital. Yeah, we, we book everything digitally. And, and geographically, Waggle Mail, is it only in Canada or where do you guys ship to at this point? Yeah, right now we just, because we just are full, first full month, which is June. So I stuck to just Canada to work out the bugs. Um, so all over Canada, I even have subscribers in Nunavut. So we're all over the place. And then I'm testing a few boxes into the U.S. and just figuring out kind of how the the customs and the tape, you know, the timelines work. Um, so we haven't gone to market in the U.S., but that will be next. Yeah. Fantastic. Can I bounce backwards in a pre-recording question while we're on the subscription box? My wife and I lived in the States and we had a couple of subscriptions, two different boxes coming in month over month. And that was at a time where in the States, it was ramped up. Everybody was talking about subscription boxes and order this, order that, clothing, food, you name it. Uh, It's gone through a couple of cycles. Where do you see it as you've launched in Canada to the subscription box model as a business? Yeah, I really like the idea of the subscription box model for, for multiple reasons, which I won't get too far into the financial part of it. But um, logistically, especially with COVID, um, it's changed how people purchase things. And now pet owners or pet parents make 
like 64% of their pet purchases online. So they really do want something that's convenient, but they still want high quality convenience. So subscriptions as a whole, um, there's a huge market, like in the pet industry itself, like there's a huge wide open space. Like there's really not, I, I have, you know, there's one kind of competitor that I've, I've studied quite, quite a bit, but there's really only one that's kind of gone public and um, there's a lot of space in the market. And I do think it's going to continue um, because people do want convenience. The digital changes are not going to be going away. If anything, it will be more so. Um, so we're just going to have to figure out how to integrate that with veterinary services. I mean, we've already seen it with like telemedicine and like chewy.com now doing prescriptions and yeah, it's, it's just going to continue going. Yeah. Are you going to, or are you partnering with veterinary clinics to have this as a a joint partnership so that you're not directly saying, Hey, competing against that OTC market, the over the counter market, or how have you seen that so far? Again, short term, but Mm-hmm. For questions. Yeah. So I get that question a lot, especially from like vets. And so before I even launched Wago Mail, I contacted registrars. So I chatted with CVMA, ABVMA, like, cause I didn't even know because it's so new what I'm doing, there's not really a guideline, right? I'm the first to kind of do something, but my goal, um, I'm trying to get people to vets for things they need to go to vets for. And in my booklets, like I've mentioned going to see your veterinarian multiple times, like my puppy packages, I outline a really fun timeline on when to get your dog vaccinated. Like I'm not replacing the importance of services. I'm just exposing them to products they maybe wouldn't have even known of. And then when they go into a clinic and their vet is like, Hey, here's an ear cleanser. They're not going to be like, holy crap, that's a $40 ear cleanser. I can get one at PetSmart for $5. Like they can appreciate the value and why we recommend certain things when we do, because we don't have time. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I don't have time at the end of my appointments to like sit down with them and be like, Hey, your dog has pancreatitis. So I really think you should maybe try these snacks instead of going to PetSmart and maybe not give, you know what I mean? Like we don't have time to talk about a lot of products and it makes it uncomfortable because then we feel like we're selling things, right? So I'm, I'm, I created this pilot program in Saskatoon. Like I'm just testing out like a clinic partnership program. So I have these PDFs that go on the back of exam doors and it's more just brand awareness of like, okay, Wago Mail is tied to the vet community, Right. And yes, I have boxes and in the boxes, there are some products that are carried in vet clinics, but I'm not like, it's not in competition. Like, (laughs) like, yeah, there's a few products, but if anything, people love them and are now looking to have them replaced. And in my mind, I'm bringing people that wouldn't have even come into your practice. Like I'm reaching into the digital landscape saying, Hey, you need to go see a veterinarian. And I'm sending them to you as a, as a referral. So it's kind of that intrinsic value of I'm getting them to us when we need them. And I'm hopefully preventing stuff that they don't need to come in for because we're slammed. Like our industry is short. And if we don't have to see an ear infection because a dog went swimming and they used an appropriate cleaner after the fact, like perfect. Yeah. And I think that's an important point to make is you're not, this isn't an attempt at replacing veterinary no. care. It's the, it's the opposite, right? You're trying to 
bring more people and work with that veterinarian, you know, to get high quality care to more pets. Yes. And I expose them to like every single, so my booklets are designed depending on the age group. So I've got different topics for seniors and in my senior booklets, I hammer in on semi-annual wellness exams and annual wellness blood work. And so I'm telling people about these things. And then when they come in and you're like, Hey, you know what? We should maybe do some senior wellness blood work. We haven't done anything in eight years. It's going to be an easier sell for you to, cause they've heard of it. And they're like, Oh yeah, that was something that's important because of this, you know, like it. So I'm trying to promote, yes, I have products in my box, but it's, it's more than that. It's just, it's, it's a hard sell for me to clinics too, because it's like, why should I bother having your PDF or these discount cards I have that I give only to clinics. So only clinics get these where there's like 50% off their first box, which only clinics can give to their clients. Cause we don't, we don't discount stuff. So we give something special to their clients. So again, they feel like their clinic, you know, there, there's kind of that circle, right? So yeah, we're not replacing services. We're just exposing and referring and hopefully creating additional value. Um, yeah. Which financially is important for clinics too, right? Like, cause we truly do want to do things um, like blood work, which is good for the animal. And it's also good for us. Right. Like, so it's, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like we, we're, t- we've talked a lot about the digital transformation just in the industry that's happened and you're using technology to expand your reach, but then it kind of is going back to like in the mail with booklets and I, I'm assuming that's part of that, like personalization, right? To compete against, you know, Doctor Google. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. Out. It still, it still seems, it still seems kind of weird, like archaic. But people need to viscerally feel something. Like I still, yeah, I still have, like, you know, like I can do this because these booklets are designed quarterly. You know, like, could I create this monthly and make this a, a reasonable? No, because this, these booklets take a lot of work. But yes, it's a physical product, but people still want that. And people need that connection with their dog. Like they, they get excited about opening it up and taking out a bag of treats or sharing or having that bonding moment. And that's why we have animals, right? Like still bottom line, we have dogs because we love them and we have fun with them and they add to our life. So you still need that, that physical, yeah, interaction. It can't all be digital. That would be boring. I I totally agree. And I know some episode we talked about like the difference between email and a handwritten thank you card and they just feel completely different. Yeah. And like we have personalized, like we are very personalized. Like we take into account birthdays and like there's things, you know, I don't want to blow everything that's in the box, but, but it is truly when you get it, you feel like, wow, this is for me. This is for my dog. And it's part of that experience. And that's why we've had such a great retention as well. Um, It's hard to sort of sell, but once you're in, it's like, wow, okay. I see the value of this. Oh, go ahead, Jonathan. Or did you have something there? I was just wondering, uh, going back to your, your balance and that you can see that you have just lit up over the last 10 minutes for anybody that's not watching the YouTube, you can see it, you can hear it. 
where does this fit now into you being a clinical veterinarian? Do you feel that people look at you differently and, or do you feel that you look at yourself differently in bringing these two great loves together, being clinical veterinarian, as well as an entrepreneur at this point? Yeah, I think, um, like we're small enough that I'm still communicating with almost every subscriber and the passion comes through because I really am passionate about what I'm doing and why. Like the great thing is it's a great business model and it's value-based. Like it's really great for both sides. And I think my clientele are getting to know me more and that's a selling point. And then in practice, like I'm now very part-time because this is taking over my life, but people don't know who I am, but I think it's also because I'm a locum and I'm very careful. Like I bounce around from clinics. So no one really knows where I'm going to be and when. (laughs) So I think, yeah, maybe as this gets a little bit more popular, but um, I find I'm better at communicating in, in practice with my clientele as well. Like it's, yeah, it's bringing in sort of a more personalized approach to my method. Yeah. It's interesting how these things go because it's almost like themes emerge. Um, we saw that, like you said, Jonathan, with with Jim Clark, another guest that's coming. I've had a pre-recording conversation and with Christine as well. It's like personalization like reinvigorates passion, right? And as veterinarians, we can we can maybe go too far towards efficiency and numbers and like just get the cases done. Yes. And when you stop and personalize it, it's like, wait a minute, this is why we got in this industry to begin with. That's correct. Yeah. And I think you said that perfectly, Christine, to your communication methods of Dr. Jim Clark said the same. Uh, you're more focused, you're, you're in tune and you recognize that. And that also means that you can't be all things to all people, which means you're probably stronger in that area and have said, this is the area I'm going to focus. And that's completely all right. Yeah. I know I was speaking with some students last week and they're, they're, they're very anxious in terms of what that's going to look like year one, that feeling they have to know everything post, you know, being in the, the golden towers of school and it's just not reality. Yeah. So it's nice to see your evolution over time. And, and it's, I think it's exemplary. Yeah. It's, it's hard. And it's interesting. Some of my biggest you know, we're just dabbling in different programs, like influencer programs, right? And one of my top influencers who I'm testing, because this is new to me, is a vet student in PEI. And she just came across and was like, wow, I love what you're doing. So now it's like, we have a bit of, you know, she helps me with the box and I mentor her as a new student, right? So it's kind of these unique where it's like, you will not know anything. Like, I still don't know anything. I, I like every day I'm like, okay, but it's okay to realize you don't know everything. And you, that's the, that's kind of the biggest moment that makes it less ancient is like, okay, I don't know this because I don't know this. And even five years from now, I wouldn't know this. So just ask someone and don't pretend to know everything, you know, cause you won't. <laughs> Completely. You still don't. And yet yeah. in mentoring that student, which you probably didn't think you'd be mentoring her, you then recognize, oh, I actually know a lot more than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm helping her in a whole different area. And this conversation slash relationship is going in a whole different direction. Yeah. And that's so invigorating from a career standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Because I look at how much my advisors bring to me. Um, and gosh, they're in complete different industries. Like the one, um, Scott, he's the founder of Keto Crate. So he's like an industry expert. He's in the subscription box world, but for keto diet. So 
total different background, but he's in the industry. And then my other big mentor is, is a tech guru. Like he led to the, yeah, he started the company that led to the largest tech exit in Saskatchewan. Like he's doing that stuff, but he brings such, yeah, different dynamics. So I think ultimately everybody has different skill sets. And when you find your skill sets aligning with your passion, it's pretty cool what you can do and who you can impact and how. And it makes life better. Like you just, your days feel better. Yeah. Yeah. How often do you find yourself in practice and not to look at this negatively, but do some people just give you the blank stare when you describe what you're doing outside of your day to day? Oh gosh. I don't talk about it in practice. <laughs> so in practice, I'm, I'm a vet and I focus on just that because I still love that. And it's almost like a great brain shift for me. Like I, yeah. So when I'm in practice, like I'm vet mode, um, but outside of work, I don't think people know what I do. I think, I think they've kind of given up trying to figure out because yeah, I always have things going on. And my neighbors actually brought that up. They're like, you know, we know that, you know, Tyler's a firefighter, but you, we didn't actually even really know. <laughs> <what you do. laughs> so yeah, I think it's confusing. And I think when I first did the shift, it was hard. Um, people looked at me and not meaning to in a negative way, but you, you've done nine years of education to become a veterinarian. So now you're just giving up on that. Like that, that's kind of what I was getting. I was like, well, I'm not passionate about how this is working for me full time or doing this. So I almost left the industry completely, which I know a lot of vets ponder doing. I think a recent webinar that I listened like two months ago and in, in, um, like, I think these were us stats, but 50% of vets consider leaving the industry completely. And I was one of those. Right. So it can't, it doesn't have to be just this one thing. I didn't even know that locoming was a thing. I didn't even know like Wagle mail is a brand new creation. Like what other creations are there that people can bring um, to the industry? Well, you've said, I, I mean, I love how you said it. You're using your veterinary brain. So I mean, mm-hmm. you're still very much doing veterinary things, even if you're not physically in a clinic. Yeah, it's, it's actually what I'm like, we don't have a name for it, but the database and technology piece that I'm building to help scale and customize these boxes right now, I call it the veterinary intelligence system. (laughs) It's like the tech vet brain that I'm creating. Yeah. To help with recommendations. Cause obviously I cannot continue curating boxes. We get thousands to, you know, it's, it's not possible, but I'm creating a program that can help with that and that can support our industry in different ways. Like there's lots of, it isn't just the box, like the box waggle mail is kind of the data centric core. And then there is multiple opportunities to branch off of that. Yeah, that's fantastic. One last question here, Christine, before we move into the impact round, listening to all the stuff you've done both previously and now there's, there's so much unknown right? Like, you know, what's three months from now, six months from now, how do you deal with that as an entrepreneur and, and, and even setbacks, right? Like, you know, the general direction you're heading and sometimes things don't go as planned. How do you navigate that? Oh, I probably still need to work on that. I don't know the answer, but I, I'm still working on it. Um, setting boundaries, 
Um, I now have a pretty good schedule for going to bed. So I have a very set, like go to bed at this time, take my melatonin. Like I don't watch, look at my phone before bed. Like I've come up with a healthy go to bed routine. Um, when I'm really anxious, I tend to wake up at 3am and my mind is just like this idea, this idea. So I grab a piece of paper and I just turn on my light and I write down everything I'm thinking of. So it can just be gone so I can go back to sleep. Um, so that's how I deal with the evenings, but days I do, um, I do with my team, like we have weekly meetings. So we talk every Monday morning, we come with our weekly sprints, like the biggest things we need to accomplish in the week. And then I touch base on things on Friday and then we do sort of monthly meetings. And then I think sort of ahead of like, what are my quarterly goals? And they're not going to be perfect. And honestly, I set them, <laughs> especially with startups, like things change, but at least you have something, right? You got, you got something. And if it changes, it changes. Just make sure there's a reason why it changes, like that it's led by data or it's led by reasoning versus just like snap decisions. Cause yeah, those, those are hard. So I, I do have a structure, but I'm flexible with it because things will change and that's okay. Um, it's just, yeah, how you communicate those changes with your team so that you're all making the changes at the same time. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot, like there's lots of good stuff in there. And the part about still working on it, I mean, that's for life. Yeah. You know, I haven't met an entrepreneur ever where you cross this magical line and okay, everything's all figured out now. It's always changing. Um, the other thing I was really chuckling about is the bedtime routine. And it's like, I think that's like almost one of the biggest hurdles to cross is like setting an alarm clock to go to bed rather than waking up. That's been one of the biggest changes in my life. And it's, I was just laughing, hearing you kind of focusing on the bedtime routine. It's so important. I, people are probably sick of me and Jonathan talking about sleep, but it's that important. Yeah. I got the going to sleep like down pack now. And yeah, it's which, which I, yeah. So there, it's there's a life a changer. It's a life changer. It's yeah. It's a life changer for sure. But nice. I still don't have it figured out. And there's still days like, don't get me wrong. Like some days I still wake up and feel totally defeated and miserable. And like, what have I done? Like, it's hard. It, it's not easy to run a business or a clinic or like, none of this is easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing this. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, man, I just need to go back to a clinic and make some money. <laughs> like, or like it's, yeah, it's, it's hard, but then you get a small win, like take the small wins. Like today I talked to one of my customers that loved her box, you know, and that was my win for the day was like, yes, I impacted somebody in Ottawa. Like that's cool. So take the wins and there's going to be losses and it just, yeah. Okay, Christine. Well, thanks so much for sharing that with us. That's it's fascinating. I I knew there was going to be a lot here, so um, I was happy to to catch up with you. We're gonna move you through uh, into our impact round here as we wrap up the show. Um, series of quick questions here. I, I'm assuming again. I know the first two answers, but are you a cat or a dog person? Dog. Yes, with with a whole product design for dogs. <laughs> Uh, true or false, I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian since I was a kid. True. I think you said fourth grade. Fourth grade. It was yeah. either that or paleontology. 
Yeah, that's it. We've had a lot of guests that knew at a very young age, like grade three, grade four. So that's pretty cool. How would your friends describe what you do for a living? They don't know. <laughs> They're confusing. They know I'm a vet. And then the rest is confusing. <laughs> Fair enough. What is your favorite hobby? Downhill skiing. And you live in Saskatchewan. I know. I was going to say I, that, but I just left it to Mike. I know. I grew up in Alberta and I was in Calgary before Saskatoon. But yes, downhill skiing. Still make it there. What in this world are you most grateful for? My family. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Christine. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on. I'm, I'm really happy I got to a glimpse of that day planner as well. I'm happy to know it's still alive and kicking. Uh, if any of our guests want to follow along with your journey and, and get in touch with you, where can they do that? Yeah. So my direct email is great. I would love to hear of anybody, especially clinics who might want to partake in our clinic partnership program. So Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E at wagglemail.com. I know it's a mouthful. And yeah, I, a lot of clinics are forwarding their clientele to our socials because we put out, you know, two to three blogs a month. Um, so at Wagglemail on Facebook, Instagram, and our website is wagglemail.com where you can sign up for the newsletter. So yeah, but I would love to hear from, yeah, I'm still chatting with veterinarians and, and how to kind of improve the, the integration of our program. Fantastic. Anything to uh, add in, Jonathan? This was fantastic. Really uh, enjoyed the discussion on both your background and then moving through clinic and now into Wiggle Mill and the entrepreneurial journey. I think there are a lot of our listeners that are interested in learning more exactly what you're going through right now. And I think you, uh, I think you're right on that journey in terms of um, speaking about the reality of it, but also the fun, the excitement, the, the career growth, and it, you can see it in both what you're doing and how you describe it. So thank you very much for sharing. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, Christine, as always, the last word goes to you. What message do you want to leave for the veterinary community? I would say figure out how to blend your love for veterinary medicine with your other passions and skill sets. And they may not look like they align, but they might. Thank you for listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast. As a recap, on behalf of our hosts, the Veterinary Project Podcast will be releasing new episodes weekly. So be sure to tune in as we bring you more conversations aimed at helping you enjoy a life well lived. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show and you want to stay in the know, please like, love, and or subscribe to the podcast on the listening platform of your choosing, as we're available on all the usual suspects. If you know of others that may benefit from these conversations, we'd love it if you please share the show with them, as this will help us grow our community to reach more and more veterinary professionals. Speaking of which, if you are a veterinary professional and would like to get connected with more like-minded individuals who are joining us on this journey, please send an email to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com, and we'll invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group. General feedback, requests for information, or perhaps requests to be a guest on the show can also be sent to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com. 
Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll catch you again next week for another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Bye for now. <laughs>